Today on the show, in my opinion, we are officially in draft season now. The Senior Bowl is behind us. It was played yesterday in Mobile, Alabama, as we are now a week away from the Super Bowl and the end of the NFL season, as we know it. And so, I know, it's early, but I'm going to do my first Seahawks mock draft of the 2024 season. We'll call this one my first Mac mock. Sorry. <laughs> um, I take an approach as if I'm trying to fill out the roster in a way that will help new Seahawks head coach Mike McDonald. Let's have some mock draft fun today on Seahawks Forever. Welcome to the Seahawks Forever podcast. In-depth analysis on everything Seahawks. And now, here's your host, Dan Viennes. Go ahead and hit that like button and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hit the bell button so you're always notified of new episodes. Same with audio. You can uh, subscribe on Spotify if you want to listen to episodes without ads. Otherwise, I'm on all the platforms. Just subscribe there so that you can never miss an episode. And if you're on Apple, I'm not sure why the other platforms aren't as uh, in tune with this. But if you like uh, what I do on the show here, you can... Uh, leave a five-star review. That really helps things. And also, you can buy me a coffee or a beer if you want to support me in the show. Let's get into this. This is fun. It is uh, Sunday morning, February 4th, as I record this. And I wanted to get a show out today uh, because I'm, I'm relocating, moving into a, a bigger place. My lady and I getting a place. Um, same apartment complex. Won't be as uh, extensive as the last move. But the next time you see me, uh, things will look a little bit different. Um, and so I wanted to get this one out there because it might take a couple of days to switch all of that over. And those of you that follow me on Twitter, at Seahawks Forever, um, you know how much I like mock drafts. And like may be a gross understatement. It's an addiction. It's a problem. It's a little frustrating this time of year. Um, and I'll give you a couple of disclaimers, a couple of rules, I guess, up front before we get into this, because mock drafts have a way of riling people up. Everybody has their own idea of what they want their team to do, and that's what makes it so much fun, right? Um, and so I want to try to preface some of this ahead of time. First of all, this time of year, we don't really know how the league views these prospects. We have an idea, especially at the top. But the really hardcore scouting hasn't quite been done yet. The combine's in a couple of weeks, and then teams get to interview and get to know these guys better, get to know how they're how they're built, how they think, how they're wired. And so these mock draft simulators are amazing. They really are. We didn't have these things 10 years ago, right? You'd have to get the, uh, the draft magazines, which are published so far ahead of the process that they're not accurate either. You had to kind of piece together your own mocks. These things are incredible, but they're only as good as the big boards that they use. And I bounce back and forth between Pro Football Focus, Pro Football Network, and even the mock draft, uh, mock draft database. They all have their strengths and weaknesses. Unfortunately, the draft network has kind of fallen apart in the last couple of years since some of their key guys left and went on to other ventures. And, and so, um, you know, they used to be the gold standard. Um, I like just 
the ease of use of the Pro Football Network one. That's what we're going to use today. Um, Pro Football Focus, I feel like, in some ways, tends to be a little bit more accurate with their grading in the sense that, you know, the Seahawks don't have a second-round pick this year. So by the time we get to the third round on Pro Football Focus, sometimes all the guys that I really want to target are gone. Um, and then there's just a lot of depth pieces, but I think it's more realistic sometimes to lean into pro football network because there are surprises in the draft. There are guys that drop unexpectedly. There are guys that go sooner than we expect. And I think that gets reflected a little bit more in how that's built. And so that's what I use today. I also, um, took this approach. Um, I do think that this is a year in which John's going to want some volume. It's his first time as GM of the Seahawks truly controlling the entire roster and not having someone else in the front office who has final say on decisions. We don't know when every, every time the Seahawks have been on the board for the last 14 years, who was really the driving force behind some of these picks. I think we're going to find, we're not going to discover everything that we need to know or want to know about how John Schneider is going to operate autonomously this draft. It'll probably take a couple of years, but we'll start to see some of those trends from the past. Some of those picks that had us scratching our heads, maybe it'll become more clear that, oh, that was probably a Pete pick. And so, you know, John was known for wanting to trade down earlier in his career, in large part because Seahawks were always drafting at the end of the first round. If they had their second round pick, I'd say maybe this year they stick at 16 because that's usually where first round grades, grades start to fall off and, and you don't want to miss out on a guy. But not having that second round pick traded for Leonard Williams. I think having a new coach in place, especially someone who's going to be in, installing new schemes, doing things differently and looking for a certain type of player, especially on defense. I think uh, John's going to want to take some shots. And stock that roster. So I I took the trade down approach. That's one thing. Two, he's going to draft a quarterback, whether it's in the first round or not. Unfortunately, this year because of NIL, <laughs> this year that the, the once again we had been looking forward to for a while is one that was, I think I I think I said last draft season. Wait till next year's draft. It's going to be a lot deeper, a lot more layered. A lot of guys on day two, day three. Well, a lot of those guys, knowing that they're fringe guys, have enough value in college, they were able to get paid, and, and they stuck around. And so, you know, guys like Cam Ward and Tyler Van Dyke and Quinn Ewers and uh, Brady Cook. Uh, there's, there's a lot of guys, Will Howard, that, that might have been uh, in that day two discussion that decided to stay in, stay in school. Um. But John's going to take a quarterback this year, either as a guy that he thinks can be the franchise guy or someone that they can develop. Finding trade partners is always hard, uh, but I think I did. And, and then before we get into this and I show you the board, uh, one last thing, and, and I always preface mock drafts this time of year by saying this. It does get lost sometimes, <laughs> and I'll still get dragged for some of these uh, decisions. It's not always about the name and the actual player in that spot, but it's about the concept and the idea. As we get farther down this list, 
there are going to be players that I haven't watched play as much. I haven't watched film yet. I haven't had a chance to really dig in on that stuff yet because this is about the time where I would start doing that. I have a database that I subscribe to where I get a lot of all 22 film and I'll start watching some guys at certain position groups. Uh, but with the coaching change and everything that's been happening in the last month, um, you know, that's been, uh, that's been put on the back burner. And so it's, and I'll talk about it as I go through, it's not so much if, if you don't like this particular player that I take at a certain spot, plug in your own guy at that same position. And then, and then, you know, we'll, we'll get an idea of how this thing looks uh, as a whole. So let's get into it. Uh, first of all, I traded back with Houston to 20, uh, originally to 24, I think Houston has. And then the simulator offered me uh, a little slide back one or two more spots to 26. Um, but also one other thing about these simulators, they offer you trades, uh, but they, they're not always accurate. What I do when I make these trades is I use the trade charts. And I think this is one last important point to get into. I didn't mean to stall, um, but here it is. A lot of you uh, in some of the discussions we've had about the draft have said, man, I want to trade back in the first round so we can, so we can recoup that second round pick for Leonard Williams. You're not going to get that. You're not going to get a second rounder to move back seven, eight, nine spots in the first round from 16 to, to 22, 23. You're not. Go look at the trade charts. First one, Jimmy Johnson was the guy that pioneered all of this, and you can find the Jimmy Johnson NFL trade chart online. But then a guy came along about 10 years ago uh, by the name of Rich Hill and, and converted that trade chart, took that same idea, but analyzed actual draft day trades and draft trades that have happened over the last seven, eight, nine years. And so it's a little different numbering system, but the idea is the 16th pick has a numerical value. And if you want to trade back to 26, that has a numerical value. You subtract the difference. And then that's uh, about what that the difference in those picks are worth. And when you look at it, when you go from 16 to the end of the first round, that difference does not equal a second round pick. And so I would use the chart, look for another team that has draft capital in the right place so that it matches up closely enough. Teams will overpay sometimes. Sometimes teams will get bargains. And uh, Houston made sense. They showed last year that they'll be aggressive in moving up for the right guy. Uh, and they still need help in certain areas. Uh, I can see them moving up to get a skill position guy to help out C.J. Stroud a running back, perhaps, uh, some help on that offensive line. Uh, but also uh, another difference maker or two for D'Amico Ryans on the defensive side. So I had them move up, and then I took that sl slight little trade back. So I'm at 26. I got two-thirds for that and then picked up a couple extras. And so you'll see there's a, a nice group where the Seahawks are going to have. Let me just put it on the board here. This is this is what I came up with. They move back to 26, and then, and then look at that grouping in the third and I think early fourth rounds where – they have four picks between 76 and 89. That's the kind of that's the kind of quality volume that I want out of this draft. If you can't get into the second round. 
maybe it'll get in the second round. We can talk about maybe some veteran players that could be moved, but we'll do that at another time. And here I went quarterback for a couple of reasons. At 26, you're in no man's land. You're only going to have 15 or 16 first round grades on players typically. And that's why you see so many quarterbacks go at the end of the first round because quarterbacks are on a different rating scale. They carry different value. And the difference between taking one in the first round and the second round is you get that fifth year option. Again, as I said earlier, if you don't like the player, plug in your own guy. I am higher on J.J. McCarthy than I know most of you are. And I have had conversations with people, had conversations with some guests at work last night in person. Very knowledgeable sports fans, football guys. Um, and they wanted to talk to me about my podcast. And they wanted to talk about the OC. And they wanted to talk about what, what I'm hearing and what's going on. And when I said J.J. McCarthy, because we were talking about quarterbacks, they both looked at me like I was crazy. And, and in talking to them a few more minutes, it became immediately clear that the only reason they don't think J.J. McCarthy's good because they didn't get to see it because Harbaugh was so balanced and conservative and old school in the way he operated that offense. If J.J. McCarthy played at a spread school, a leech school, an air raid school, or plug him into that offense with Ryan Grubb at UW, uh, he throws for 4,000 yards. He's in the Heisman discussion. Wait till you see this guy throw and test at the combine. And he just turned 21 years old. This guy has an elite arm. You just didn't get to see enough of it. Uh, but everything you hear, he's he's incredibly bright. You heard Jim Harbaugh's comments the other day that were obviously hyperbole, obviously ridiculous and driven by his affection for this kid that, Wait until the draft. Watch. This guy's going to be the first quarterback taken. That's not going to happen. He's seen as, as a guy uh, that might might need a year or two to sit. Maybe the Jordan Love plan. Uh, but the last person that Jim Harbaugh spoke that glowingly about was Andrew Luck. I think he knows quarterbacks. J.J. McCarthy, to me, is the perfect guy to take at 26 and, have, uh, and, and not have the plan be to play day one. And whether that guy is Gino or Drew or somebody else, Gardner Minshew, whatever, take your pick. The idea is this is an upside play. Some of you might want Michael Penix instead, especially if Ryan Grubb is hired. And we'll talk a lot about this over the next month or two. There are scouts that have a third-round grade on Penix. There are scouts who say he may not be on their board because of medical concerns. Uh our friend of the show and, and draft expert Michael Thompson puts a uh, Philip Rivers comp on Penix, which I think is really fascinating. You know, he can move, but he doesn't have that kind of dynamic mobility and athletic ability that uh, you kind of want in the modern NFL. J.J. McCarthy does. I think his upside is greater than Penix, and he's five years younger. <laughs> By the end of his rookie contract, he'll be as old as Penix is now. Uh, so if you like another quarterback, fine. But the idea that John Schneider's got to get his guy, he has to, he's got his coach hit a home run. I think he got the best guy in the cycle and a superstar in waiting. You got to get your quarterback right now that I've got that done. Now I'm going to hand the new coach 
all sorts of toys. Okay, at 76, McKinley Jackson from Texas A&M. A true zero tech. He and Cam Young can get back together again, right? Uh, he is a true 6'2", 320 pounds, nose tackle. So one thing this roster misses, Ravens played a 3-4. Got to have that guy at the nose. You know, McDonald can adapt. Maybe it'll be more 4-3. But let's give him a guy that can play in that middle because that's a that's a weakness on this team. We haven't really seen much of Cam Young. Um, McKinley Jackson is a guy that when you watch Texas A&M tape, this guy stands out. He pops. So does Braden Fisk, who may not be there at 80 now after the week he had at Senior Bowl. Should have been the MVP. The fact they gave it to Spencer Rattler because he went four for four with the touchdown on one drive before he checked out of the game was absolutely ridiculous. That Senior Bowl was a snoozer. And it was because the quarterbacks chose not to play. Penix chose not to play, which I don't knock him that badly for. I was actually surprised to see him practice all week because national title game wasn't that long ago, and he was beat to hell. Those ribs, I, I was surprised he even, he even practiced in Mobile. But then Bo Nix, you know, only played one drive. Rattler played one drive. I thought that was strange because Rattler's a guy that stood to gain the most maybe from all those guys. So we saw a lot of Sam Hartman, which wasn't good for his evaluation. <laughs> Not as high on him anymore. Um, Yeah. But Braden Fisk, who actually was traded from one team to the other on the morning of the Senior Bowl, first time that's ever happened because they were short defensive linemen on one side of the ball, was everywhere. He was just a dominant force. He's more of a guy that he can play 3-4 defensive end. You can move him around that line. Just high energy, high motor player. He can get after the passers, good against the run. You have now just injected that defensive front with two big, long dudes. Uh, well, in Fisk's case, uh, there are some who think his arms are a little short, but you know who cares? Dude's a player. Um, right up front, where they need it the most, to add alongside, you know, what you hope is a rejuvenated Draymond Jones under McDonald and Jaron Reed, and you get Mike Morris back healthy and Cam Young with another year under his belt. Uh, now you're talking about a pretty exciting front. Okay. At 86, James Williams. I, I'm wearing my Cam Chancellor jersey today. This guy is about the closest thing physically that we've seen in a long time uh, at the safety position. Since Cam Chancellor came out, 6'5, 220. You see, sometimes his weight's higher than that. It'll be interesting to see how he weighs in at the combine out of Miami. Uh, this guy's a massive safety who can play in the box, but can acquit himself well in coverage. And you saw the reason that he appeals to me is you saw what Mike McDonald did with Kyle Hamilton. In Baltimore, not as big, but a guy that was a first-round safety. Some felt like was a disappointment, maybe even bordering on bust his first year or two. And then McDonald kind of played him in that hybrid role and moved him up and, and had him playing closer to the box, sort of like Devin Witherspoon this year, almost as a nickel back and, and was able to affect the game in coverage and in the run game. I think James Williams has uh, that type of upside. Now we got to get some linebackers. Junior Colson at 89, if he's still there, would make all the sense in the world. He played for Mike McDonald. His, I think that would be his true freshman year. 
He's still a very young player. I think he too, similar to McCarthy, 20 or just turned 21. Uh, 6'2", 225, looks bigger than that. Physical player, hits hard, takes on blocks, but also can run sideline to sideline. And his best football is ahead of him. Young guy that you can develop with. Every linebacker on the Seahawks roster is set for free agency. And uh, I think with a new coach and a new scheme, uh, I just don't think Bobby Wagner fits. You're not bringing Devin Bush back, most likely. You may want to re-sign Jordan Brooks or import Patrick Queen, uh, who's a free agent from Baltimore. But either way, you're looking to get younger and deeper at linebacker, and Colson would be a dynamic player there. Uh, now you got to uh, address the other trench, and I kind of I doubled up here. Layden Robinson played in the Senior Bowl for Texas A&M yesterday. A uh, guy that needs uh, you know a little work in pass protection, as most of these guys do. Um, uh, these interior offensive linemen coming out of these big schools um, that play uh, that play the style that they do. But uh, saw him moving some guys at the Senior Bowl yesterday, and he can get out and move a little bit too. Um, big dude. Uh, that's good value there at 118. And then at 127, I turn right around and take another guard. And uh, if this guy's there in this range, I'm taking him all day long. Zach Zinter, also at Michigan, so McDonald's going to be familiar with him. Uh, this guy would have been a day two at worst draft pick if he had come out last year, but he's one of those many Michigan guys that decided to stay in school, come back for another year, and chase that national title. And then in the, uh, uh, I think it was the Ohio State game, wasn't it? Last last game of the year for them. Uh, had a pretty pretty severe uh, broken leg. And uh, if his medicals check out, uh, he could be similar to uh, who's the guy that came out of uh, USC last year that blew his knee in the combine uh, that Baltimore actually drafted. Um, so similar mindset there, right? Can't remember his name right now off the top of my head, but they basically drafted him to redshirt him. Um, Zinter may be ready sooner than that. Uh, but he's a guy that you know probably can't play right away as a rookie, but has starter ten year NFL starter upside. Uh, and now you've locked down your your guard position. I'm going to go back and get another linebacker, Nathaniel Watson. This dude's built a little bit differently. Um, he's more of the six two six three two thirty five. He's he's going to be more of a guy that plays sort of forward and north-south, where Colson can be more of your sideline-to-sideline guy. Watching the Senior Bowl, that is one thing that stood out to me yesterday, is uh, this inside linebacker group appears to be much better than last year. And, and it's it's full of guys that are more traditional uh, Mike build. You know, last year, there just weren't many of those guys. A lot of undersized dudes. Uh, this year, there's there's Colson, there's Watson, there's Trevin Wallace from Kentucky, there's Tommy Eichenberg from Ohio State, who's kind of dropped. He might be value here. I thought about taking him uh, at 150 as well. Um, uh, Jackson Sermon out of Cal as a late round guy looked good in the Senior Bowl yesterday. There's some guys that fit that mold a little bit better. Um, and then at 174, you know, speaking of free agency, Seahawks um, might be without all three of their tight ends that were on the roster this year. Uh, well, three of the four, Brady Russell was also on the roster all year. He'll be back. Will Disley's under contract, but that cap hit is too much, and they need to save, I think it's $7 million. So he'll, they'll cut him probably. I, I could see them cutting him and then re-signing him. Um, but Colby Parkinson and Noah Fant are unrestricted free agents, and so let's get another guy in there. Brevin Span Ford, 6'7". Uh, we saw him at Senior Bowl yesterday. Ha- caught a touchdown from Bo Nix. 
um, on a, a tough catch to make for a six, seven guy to go down to the turf and make a catch like he did pretty outstanding. And then I'm going to add a couple more defensive pieces, right? I don't, well, I'll touch on that in a second. I went with a couple hometown guys, one on each side of the ball, give a little balance for the apple cup crowd. Brennan Jackson's a guy that, uh, you know, he's got all the, uh, the size and the length and, uh, to be a late round edge like he is, just 100% high motor all the time, really high character guy. Um, uh, don't know how he'll test at the combine. That'll be interesting to see. May not have you know some of those elite qualities that teams look for, but just a dude that that's probably going to make your ball club just based on effort alone, and he can get after the passer. So that's to me that's value all day long in the sixth, seventh round, and then. Uh, Dominic Hampton, another larger safety, 6'2", over 200, has a similar game to Williams in the sense that they played him uh, up in the box at times, good and run support, but can handle himself in uh, in coverage, be a guy that can play on special teams and a guy you can move around and maybe play some weeks on linebacker with. Uh, just, uh, you know, never a bad idea to add another safety. Uh, for special teams alone, but also because you're you're talking about moving on from your two uh, most veteran safeties this offseason. Um, we'll see about Quandre Diggs, but I think we all agree that Jamal Adams uh, is probably headed elsewhere. So what do you think? How do you feel about that? Now, uh, what I was going to say earlier is I didn't touch the, the skill positions, really, except for tight end, and that's a need. Um. You know, playing around with different scenarios. I'll take a guy like Anthony Gould out of Oregon State in the sixth or seventh round sometimes if he's there, kind of a return specialist. Um, I just don't know this receiver group well enough after day two. I will. Maybe I'll find some late-round gems. Uh, There are, you know, there are some guys uh, that I've seen or that uh, someone has brought to my attention that aren't even in the simulator and I couldn't take guys like that, but um, just didn't touch that uh, running back. Certainly I don't think is a need, you know, even if DJ Dallas walks as a, as a free agent, um, um, you know, you got Kenny McIntosh who didn't even get to touch the ball last year. So they've got uh, enviable young depth at the running back position there. And uh, now if you move on from Tyler Lockett this off season, then I think you're looking at a mid-round receiver, probably adding another young guy. Um, so, you know, that's maybe the only thing that I wish I could have added there. Um, and that's, you know, Brennan Jackson, Dominic Hampton. Those are just, you know, throwing more irons on the fire on the defensive side. See if you can find some players and create some competition. You can easily take a receiver there. So, uh, what do you think? Let me know in the comments. Tweet me as always. Do your own Sims and send me the screenshots. Love, love, love that stuff. That's not the right button. There we go. That's a little more aggressive. <laughs> uh, nothing new on the offensive coordinator search. Um, you know, reading the tea leaves, connecting some dots. Sounds like I have heard that. Jimmy Sexton, who represents Ryan Grubb, might be really hardballing the Seahawks, trying to get him paid. Um, word is he makes as much as $2 million at Alabama. Um, and that that probably spends pretty well in Tuscaloosa. And so it may be a money thing. Then the Seahawks uh, requested 
an offensive coordinator interview so that Mike Kafka and Mike McDonald could talk, and the Giants have blocked that move. Um, is Tanner Ingstrand, uh, Ingstrand from Detroit still involved? Uh, is T. Martin potentially a candidate? Um, I've, <laughs> I've been dragged on Twitter because I passed along information that a couple other people told me that, that uh, if they had knowledge that Grubb might be the guy. Uh, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I wasn't reporting it as a professional journalist because that's not what I am. Otherwise, I would handle things a little bit differently and bet my own sources. But we'll see. We'll see how it all shakes out. And then we'll get a clearer picture, I think, of what the direction of this team might be. But until then, uh, until next time, make sure and subscribe to all the places so that you uh, don't miss out. So wish me luck on my move. We'll see you soon. Thanks for all the support. Huge month in January. A thousand new subscribers. Welcome aboard, everybody. I appreciate you, each and every one of you. Forever and always, go Hawks. Thanks for watching.